5.12-16. Here the doctor narrates for us, he says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell down on his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their illnesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. May God bless to us that reading of his holy word. Amen. Have my slides, please. Today we're going to be looking at Ugly As Ugly Is from Luke chapter 5. Now we all like to think of ourselves as beautiful. I think most of you think of yourself as in some way being beautiful, or if you're a man, obviously handsome. The Irish-American author and playwright Jean Kerr said this famously, I'm tired of all this nonsense about beauty only being skin deep. That's deep enough, she said. What do you want, Nodorus Pancarus? Adorable pancreas? What does beauty only being skin deep means? Or another quotation here. Beauty is more, sorry, beauty is more important to women than brains because most men can see better than they can think. <laughs> Many a true word said in jest. But when it comes to inner beauty or true beauty, it is by its very nature more than skin deep. True beauty is more than what we wear on this biggest organ of ours called our skin. True beauty is something which is deeper than this flesh and this bone. It is very much by its nature more than skin deep. And so the question for us this morning is this. Are we, are we beautiful people? Are we beautiful people? people when you look in the mirror do you see more than just your face when you look in the mirror do you see your past do you see the person that you know you are the good things you've achieved and perhaps the good things you haven't the bad things you've done and the bad things you might have done if the opportunity had ever arisen you see the good you and the bad you. The side of you you're happy for people to know and to meet on Sunday, your Sunday best if you like. That pile of you you'd rather that those sharing the pews this morning wouldn't ever, ever see. How deep is your beauty? The Bee Gees ask that question, how deep is your love? The Bible asks that question, how deep is your beauty? The famous writer, 
the Gothic writer Oscar Wilde. He wrote a famous short story called The Picture of Dorian Gray as a Gothic and philosophical novel in July 1890. And the novella's main character was this gentleman, this rich man who lived in a very wealthy mansion, this gentleman who was beautiful to look at, this gentleman who had much money and was much sought after by other women, this gentleman who was so vain and so consumed by his own beauty, he had someone paint a picture, a portrait of Dorian Gray. But somehow this portrait has magical powers. And Dorian Gray never ages. And he has his portrait in his dining room, but the portrait gets older. And in order to sustain this eternal life he has, he does terrible things. And the portrait begins to reflect his true character and begins to look hideous and horrible until eventually, eventually he can't stand it any longer and he takes his portrait and puts it up in the attic and leaves it there. The picture of Dorian Gray. And so terrible is that picture but it haunts him. Every now and again he goes up there and looks at the portrait and the portrait shows back his real self as he remains this eternally beautiful man on the outside, on the inside there's this corruption of hideous, hideous sin and evil. And eventually one night he's so horrified by the picture, he takes a knife and he begins to slash at the canvas to destroy the picture and as he does it, he discovers cuts upon his body and he dies. And the picture returns. So that picture of the youthful Dorian Gray when it was first painted. A harrowing novel by Oscar Wilde. But it asks the question, where is your beauty? Is your beauty in the perfume and the makeup that we wear day by day to hide who we really are? Or are we trying by the Holy Spirit to be so shaped by God and by His Spirit that we begin to reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ in our lives? Because this story, we meet a person who is quite hideous. He's described as a man covered with leprosy. Verse 12 says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell down with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The expression that Luke uses is covered with leprosy. And that's very unusual in the Bible. And it's believed that Dr. Luke, as he's using other phrases when it comes to medical conditions, is using the Greek here to actually illustrate that this was a serious case of leprosy. The man didn't have a mere outbreak on his arm or on his face or on his leg or on his back. His whole body was consumed by this corruption, by this hideous disease known as Hansen's disease in the West. It's a terrible disease. Leprosy basically when it breaks out it's basically a condition where your body begins to systematically die. And eventually when people amputate in, because the nerve endings die they chop a finger off and not realise they've chopped it off because it's no longer got any blood flow and no nerve endings. And if you get it on your face you can lose your ear and your nose. It is a terrible, terrible condition. He was covered with leprosy. And the Jewish law was very clear when it came to people who were like this. They, they first of all had to go and see the priest in Leviticus chapter 13. 
who acted as a health officer and he would examine them and examine the outbreak, the, the, the boil or the, or the sore that they found. And there's a whole range of different conditions they look for. You can read about it in Leviticus chapter 13 in the Old Testament. And then the priest would put them into quarantine for seven days. And then he would bring them out of quarantine for seven days and look at them again. If a condition has spread, then they were declared unclean. And if it hadn't spread, they were declared clean and they'd have to either wash or to burn their clothings and they can go back to the community. But if it hadn't calmed down or hadn't dried up, they were therefore banished. They were banished from the community. They had to cover the lower part of their jaw with a veil. And they had to tear their clothes as if they were in mourning. So anyone who saw them would see the torn clothes and see the veil, uh, the veil over their face and would know they were unclean. And they had to shout out, unclean, unclean. And people were so terrified of this condition because it was some of the conditions of leprosy were actually um, spread very, very quickly. They were contagious. That people used to throw stones at the lepers if they came too close to their villages. They were forbidden by the law to come into towns or villages. They had to leave their homes until the condition left them. And when the condition left them, they could come back and see the priest and they'd go into quarantine for seven days again and eventually he would declare them clean. But for as long as they had leprosy, they had to leave their homes. They had to beg. And it was there not to be unkind or cruel. It's there in order to protect the community from all everyone capturing leprosy. But people were terrified. It was a bit like an ancient form of AIDS. Everyone was terrified by it, terrified of catching it. A terrible situation. And this man was so desperate, so covered in leprosy, but he comes, he breaks the law of Moses, he comes into a town. And you can imagine the chaos, you can imagine the shouting, you can imagine people throwing bricks at him and shouting, go away, leave us alone, take your horrible contagion away from us. People were scared. But this man is desperate. He wants to be changed, he wants to be cleansed, he wants to be healed. So he comes into the town, he endures abuse, he endures the bricks and the rocks and he throws himself down upon the ground. He prostrates himself, the Bible says, with his face to the ground and he looks up to Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It was a statement of faith. You can make me clean. The question in this man's life not the, was not about the power of Jesus, but the willingness of Jesus. Because he knew he was so ugly, he was terrified that even Jesus would reject him. Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. He's a man who is desperate to get better. Desperate to be healed. And I wonder about you, if you are desperate to find Jesus today. If you are desperate to find Jesus. Or if you've become happy with the way you are in your life. Because if you don't know Jesus, you need to find him. Because only he can heal you from your diseases that the Bible describes as sin. But even as Christians, our lives become contaminated. Like that bottle of water we showed the young people earlier on. And any contamination in our lives is bad. We have to get rid of it and come before the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. To have your life touched by him. You see, this passage is not just about the physical and terrible condition of leprosy. It's 
a parable about the condition of mankind being away from God. It's a parable about the condition of sin in our lives. And people, the sin in the world today is, is terrible. And we've become so familiar with it, we don't even realise it's sin anymore. There's terrible things happening around our world. And we just are familiar with the stench and the smell of it. We don't even question it anymore. Things that our forebears would never have imagined would be happening to a sophisticated man and woman in the 21st century. We justify so many terrible things and we call it, we call it being modern and being advanced. And yet we're more basic than our forebears hundreds, if not thousands, of years ago. This person was morally disfigured. We're disfigured by the badness of our fallen nature. And when we look in the mirror, we don't see a pleasant reflection because we know who we really are. We know we are ugly as ugly is. The Bible says that we are marked and disfigured by sin. And don't treat this lightly because the gospel, the good news, is about the bad news. And if the bad news isn't bad news, then there's no good news. If sin isn't terrifying and doesn't worry you, then you've got no gospel. Because if sin's okay, then you're okay. We're all okay. And it doesn't really matter. The only way we can appreciate the nature of the gospel is to appreciate the nature of sin. And the Bible says this, the fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. No one who does good. The Bible says sin is universal. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his faults, there is no room for God, says Psalm chapter 10. And so the famous Psalm, sorry, so Paul takes this together in, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all are sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice that. Here's the standard. The glory of God's the standard of what's right and wrong in your life. See, often we say, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not a paedophile. I'm not a murderer. I wasn't down on London Bridge stabbing people the other day. I'm okay. I'm not that bad. But Jesus doesn't ask you if you're that bad. He says, are you that good? How do you measure up to the holiness and perfection of God? Because if you don't measure up to the holiness and perfection of God, you are sinful. That's what the Bible says. Don't compare yourself to other people. It's like taking part in a marathon and, and losing the marathon and saying, well, I wasn't the last person, I was the second to last person. I wasn't the last person. You still haven't done very well, people. You don't compare yourself in that way. You compare yourself to the glory of God. He has the measure. It's his standard that counts. Not your standard or my standard. His standard. We fall short of that glory, the glory of God. And the Bible says that it's something we were born with. David writes in Psalm 51, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful at the time my mother conceived me. I have two boys, now aged 27 and 30. And the great thing about my children is I never needed to teach them to be wrong. I never did. I never taught them to lie. I never taught them to be rude. I never taught them to speak back at us or to get angry with us or to do wrong things. I didn't need to because they were born with that sinful attitude. 
I had to teach them how to tell the truth. I had to teach them to tell the truth even when it hurt, when they were punished as a consequence. I had to teach them and try and teach them to be good. You don't need to teach children to be bad, do you? Because we're born into sin. And Jesus came to teach us how to be good and he took going to a tree, a cross. He died for us, for you and for me. And the thing about this sin, this corruption, this leprosy, leprosy itself was never really fatal unless it got really, really advanced. But sin is fatal. The Bible tells us it's a fatal disease. The wage of sin is death, says Paul. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. In that verse it mentions the consequence of sin and the remedy to sin. Don't treat sin lightly. Because when we die, and all of us will die, we will face God and God will judge us according to his Son and not according to how whether we think we're ugly or not. And by then it will be too late. If you stand before God, and say, I wasn't that bad, God. God will say, well, by my measure, by my scale you are, unless you know the Lord Jesus Christ, unless you stand in his blood and wear in his garments of righteousness, we will be condemned. And the Bible says we'll be cast into an everlasting place without God, without his love and presence, a place the Bible literally describes as hell. Romans 5 verse 12 Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and in this way death came to all because all people sinned. None of you can say to me today Cole I haven't really done too bad. I've never sinned because I know that's a lie and you know that's a lie and God knows that's a lie. People we've got to be honest. We've got to be real. This is serious stuff. This is serious stuff. People die because of sin. It's a deadly disease. It's something that's terrible and we cannot fool God. The Bible says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. This week, are you going to be sowing to your flesh or sowing to your spirit? Are you going to be sowing to the eternal kingdom of God or sowing to your own pleasures and waste this week as another week not spent building the kingdom of God in this dying world? It is serious. And Christians need to hear the clarion call of God and get on board to building that kingdom because people around us are dying and we are doing nothing about it. We put makeup on and we pretend we're better than them. And in reality, we're not. God knows us. We cannot hide from us. And why should we not come to God? Because this hideous man, this man who's been rejected all his life, this man who was so ugly to look at, he was so desperate, he comes to Jesus, he throws himself on the ground and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The only thing in doubt in that man's life is not the power of Jesus, it's the willingness of Jesus. And we discover in this passage that Jesus is willing because this man is not just covered with leprosy, we find him covered with grace. And the desperately disfigured man comes into the town, he says, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing. But only after he has reached out and touched that man. People would only touch a leper with a brock or a brick. 
Jesus reached out with his hand and he touched that man and said, I am willing. And he reaches out to us today and says, I am willing for you to be clean. If only you come to him and ask him to cleanse you from all your sins. Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. He reached out and he touched him. You see, when we come to Jesus and we pray that honest prayer, Lord, if you're willing, Jesus is always willing. He is always willing. He will always reach out and touch you. But too often we don't pray that prayer. Why? Because we don't want to pray that prayer. Because we're comfortable. We're complacent. We're happy with that smell in our lives. We even justify it sometimes. Oh, it's just me. I had a girlfriend like that once. A girl called Jackie. She used to smoke all the time. Kissing her was like kissing a chimney. And she used to say to me, Cole, love me, love my smoke. And so we broke up. Because I couldn't love that smoke. She was comfortable with it because she was used to it, but it was unpleasant to me. And we get used to our own smells and our own corruption. And Jesus says, I am the standard of your life. No one else. Reach out and I'll start to cleanse you. But do you want to to change? Do you want to be different? Do you want the healing of Jesus? You see, too often we're too comfortable with that condition. But the Bible tells us this, the ball is in our court. The ball is in our court. If you want to be serious with God and for God to change your life inside out, God will do that because he's put the ball in your court. It's not in someone else's court. It's in your court. The Bible makes this quite clear. You can read scriptures about it. For example, this, it says here, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock on the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks will be opened. There's no doubt there. There's no doubt there saying, Ask and it might be. Seek and you might find. Knock and the door will possibly may open a jar. It says it will. If you come to Jesus, like this beggar came to Jesus, this, this leper came to Jesus, and throw yourself before Jesus and say, Lord, cleanse me. He will cleanse you because he is willing. People sometimes say, well, it's too big a problem, too big a sin. I, God, Jesus can't cope with that. And that's just an excuse, a smokescreen. Because Jesus can and he will. But all too often the problem is us. We're not willing. He is willing, but I'm not willing. He is willing, but I'm reluctant. He is willing, but I procrastinate. And I drag my heels. Because I don't understand that God is a God of grace and a God of love. Oh, if you're willing, he says. You know, we have a church full of people and people are problematic. We are human beings. We are fallen. And we do things that hurt each other here in this church. Some people hear gossip. Some people hear speak of other people in unkind ways. Some people are overly critical. Some people have fallen out of love with Jesus because they've, they've been a Christian so long, it's become so long since they were baptised and they've lost that first love. Some people struggle with the worship and only like to worship when it's their type of worship. But worship's not about the song or about the music. Worship's about God. 
All of us can worship if you're looking up there. But some people prefer to look down here. You know, we can have lots of reasons why there's sin in our lives and why there's divisions between us in this church and in this community and in this town. We can have many reasons, but God doesn't say to us, that's okay. I don't mind a little bit of sin, a little bit of gossip, a little bit of criticism, a little bit of division, a little bit of argument. God doesn't say that. He says, I want you like my son Jesus. And if you're not like Jesus Christ, you need to start to get on board and start to allow Jesus to change you. And it won't happen by yourself. You can't do it, I can't do it. But there's a wonderful bit of this story, because this story ends with this wonderful expression. It ends with Jesus being covered in prayer. And we're told here, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, where was his power? His power was in God, and that link to the power came through prayer. And people, do we pray? Are we praying for this town? Are we praying for this church? Are we praying for the lost out there in Colchester? Are we? People tell me they're very busy. I know busyness, trust me. Any pastor who's doing the Lord's business understands busyness. But if you're too busy to pray, you are too busy. If you can spend 15 minutes watching Netflix or 15 minutes a day watching TV, but you don't pray... Brothers and sisters, you aren't living an obedient life. If you can spend 15 minutes reading a magazine a day and not spend 15 minutes in prayer, then where is your God and who are you worshipping? This is serious stuff. Our world is dying. People out there are going to hell. And we know the gospel, we know the truth, and we're not praying. Oh, brothers and sisters... Throw yourself before the Lord Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm desperate. Cleanse me. Change me. Give me a heart for this country. A heart for this town. A heart for the people of Colchester. A heart for my neighbours, my work work colleagues. Give me a heart for those I meet day by day. May I see and understand the serious nature of this. Lord, cleanse me. But it only comes when we spend time with the Father in prayer. The incarnation is quite remarkable. This is Advent. Jesus emptied himself, that's what the Bible says, and came to earth. His power came through presence with his Father. And we're no different to the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus needed to pray and withdraw, then so do you and so do I. If we don't, we won't have that power. We won't have that passion. We won't have that cleansing. Jesus had a holy habit of prayer. And we need to develop that holy habit of prayer so that Lord Jesus, who is willing, will cleanse us and give us that power and strength that we need to be the people that God has called us to be. Brothers and sisters, this is Advent. This is the preparation period before Christmas. Let's ask God to prepare our hearts, not in some namby-pamby routine way. We always do it in Advent. Let's take Jesus seriously and take sin seriously and let's come into the presence of Jesus from ourselves at his feet and lift our face to him and say, Lord Jesus, if you are willing, make me clean.
Let's close our service.